Lake House Church, this is the day the Lord has made. That's right. Every morning when we awake, we have a choice how we're going to spend that day. We are a blessed nation with freedoms. We want to welcome you this week. This week we'll be celebrating the 4th of July, our Independence Day. No, I didn't make a typo on the screen. I purposely put a space because we are independents of God's grace and mercy. It's because of his blessings that we are able to meet as a church, proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, stand on the promises, understand his grace and mercy. Today's message um, has been rewritten multiple times, even as of last night. I have received so many emails this week. As you know, my, my heart and my passion is for the kingdom of God, for our country, for the ability to, to worship. Part of this I'm going to be reading to you. But this week, the highest court in our land has shaken its fist in the face of God and has legalized immorality. I want you to know that this ruling is truly a game-changing ruling. There was a decision back in the early 60s that we're all very familiar with, with Roe versus Wade. And it has changed our culture and our society from that single ruling. If Christ does not return soon, there will be many decisions in our culture and our society that will go back to the decision that was faced this last week in our Supreme Court. This ruling has opened up our society to bizarre sexual and redefinitions of families. One of my co-pastors in Fort Worth at one of the very large churches sent this passage out and said, the church will directly be in the sights of those who hate our Lord Jesus Christ and us. He continued to say the church could be accused of discrimination when we refuse to officiate same-sex marriages within the walls of the church. This is going out throughout the clergy, through the churches. And I wanted us to, as a church to be aware of it. I don't think we should be surprised of the actions because in Ephesians 4.18 it tells us they can't understand because they are in the dark. They are excluded from the life that God approves of because of their ignorance and stubbornness. You see, this is actually a byproduct of people who have forgotten God. Earlier this year, terms were being thrown around that, that we are a post-Christian society. And we don't want to believe that. But many times our actions speak louder than words. Every follower of Christ should be concerned and in prayer over the continued rejection of Christ in our lives, in society. But however, we must not become dis disappointed, discouraged. We are to be the light of the world. We are to be a light of the world. Even this morning, the Lord gave me a passage in, his, in Isaiah 6. He says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon us. If you've watched any news, read anything, Many, many things happened this week. Many, many things have happened over the last month or so. 
Matt, can I get you to turn off the amp? I'm getting a real bad buzzing sound up here. We are to be a light. We are to be strength. We are to be peace. We are to be love. The world is becoming more full of hatred, which means that our love must become stronger. Never before in our nation's history has there been a call for the church we the people, we the people, that's mentioned in one of the greatest documents, to take a stand and to pray for our nation. You see, for the last two generations, we have not taught that with every freedom, every liberty, every blessing that we've received, that there's also accountability, there's also responsibility. There should also be a thankfulness towards that. We have removed that from our teachings. We have removed any teaching of, of, of Christ in our, our schools, removing them from our governments. What happens is when we ignore personal responsibility, we encourage chaos and disorder. Just like in your home, as a parent, it's the same as in society. What happens also is that when you teach people to disregard the authority and respect for God, it will be soon following that they will have a disrespect and no authority for government or for our society. The decisions Wednesday that were issued by our highest court of the land only magnify the need for the body of Christ, the church, individuals, families, to pray, to pray for our land. This is leading us to our main passage today. It's a passage very familiar with you. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You see, there can be no lasting national reform that returns a nation to God without the church getting serious about what we're called to do. I was. I was just thinking I'm going to say that again. <laughs> there can be no lasting national reform that returns a nation to God without the church getting serious about what the church is called to do. We as a church have been called to pray, to be a light, to be a difference, to be salt, to be love, to be truth, to be set apart and not merged into this society. Oh, pastor, we're, we're to be, yes, we're of this world. We're, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Right. My home is not here. My eternal home is in heaven. Yeah. I am a child. You are a child if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior of the Most High God. The church has spoken also in 2 Corinthians 6.16. And it says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I thought about this passage Tuesday when it was very warm and we're out walking the streets. And I'll walk in them. You see, without spiritual strength, there will never be a national strength in America. This country was based 
on Christian foundations, the church. We can say all we want that we are concerned for our country, but if we don't get serious about the work of the church first, our country will never be restored to the church and the country that you knew. Our society is rapidly changing. Internet, movies, music, things that we consider acceptable. Several months ago, I told you that we have become a society of acceptance. Anything now goes. It takes very little to have any shock value. Have you realized that? Very little shocks us anymore to what we see on YouTube or, or what will come across our phone in six-minute little clips or six-second little clips. But we are here in this country to make a difference. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin is a disgrace in any society. You see, our nation is in trouble. Whether you realize it or not, our nation is in trouble. Last week, in the Texas House, abortion. Late, not abortion itself, late-term abortions. Late-term abortions after 20 weeks. When they know that the fetus, that child, can feel pain. That's what was really being debated. That's what was hijacked last week. Do you know that we abort over 1.2 million lives? If you research that, that's more lives that have been lost in, in all of our wars, all of our military, and all of our wars combined, we sacrifice in one year for convenience. Pornography. Pornography is now a workplace situation. Paula Dean has allowed pornography in her workplace. I don't know why chefs and cooks would want to look at pornography when they're fixing food, but that just was disgusting to me. Yeah. Illegal drugs, prescription drugs, alcoholism. Here's a fun one, identity theft. Traditional marriage. IRS attacking 501c3 companies in an election year. Wow. But there was no coordinated efforts. Boy Scouts changing a ruling. Our military attacking the teachings of Christianity but allowing teachings of Islam. And here's the shocker. You can research ENDA, E-N-D-A. But according to Tony Perkins, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid is trying to force a vote. And here's a quote from Harry Reid. To make this law of the land, I will soon bring the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, EDNA, to the floor of the Senate for vote. This version, unlike others, does more to force daycares, public schools, and other businesses to hire cross-dressers, transgenders, and homosexuals. It will also do away with gender-specific bathrooms. This bill has been presented in Congress every year since 1994 except for one session. But this year, President Hussein Barack Obama hopes that it will pass. Gender-specific bathrooms. I told you it takes very little to shock you guys anymore. But if we don't do something, the writing's already on the wall. 
You need to know the plans and the agenda of those who hate Christianity, who hate what we stand for. But the Word of God tells us that they hated Christ, and because we're followers of Christ, they are going to hate us. But the church cannot afford to sit idly by and be pathetic in our stance, in our prayer life, to take a stand for issues. If any one of those stirred, pray for those issues. Pray that hearts would be changed. Pray for leaders. Pray for our nation. I gave you a, a, a plethora of, of items for you to be able to pray over. And I'm praying that just one of those struck a chord in your heart. We, as a nation, have walked away from God. And the church has gotten comfortable in the freedoms that we have. The church has merged into society instead of being distinct. We can't forget the warning that's given in Psalms 9:17. It says, "The wicked shall be turned into hell, and the nations that forget God." Each day people are dying without a knowledge of Jesus Christ as their savior, who loves them and receives them freely. When you look at everything that's being proposed, people just want to be accepted. But if they truly knew the love and mercy of grace of Jesus Christ, they could receive that acceptance within themselves and truly be loved. We as a church are not to judge them. We are to love them. But we are to fight spiritually. We are to fight spiritually. The Word of God says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness. There have been rulings from darkness in our society and our court. And whether you like it or not, spiritual war is taking place. And whether you're sitting on the, band, the bleachers just cheering others on or actually getting on the battlefield is what I'm challenging you today. There are three vital things that we need to do as a country that I'd like to share with you. But I want you to know that the freedom and the peace and the joy that this country need is not going to come from the White House. It's going to come from the church house. We need the church. Normally, I don't like saying the word church. I don't like saying religion because it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you know, the word of God says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000. What if the church got organized and just started praying over the issues that we shared about? There are three vital keys that this country needs to, to do to be influenced for Christ and turned around. Three quick points. Number one, the body of Christ must become effective. In our passage today, it says, if my people will pray. Prayer as a Christian is not an option. It is everyday communication with me. I know I use Kristen a lot as an analogy because I love her so much, but as, as a husband and wife, what if I only talk to her once a week? Would you consider that a healthy marriage? Would you consider that an awkward marriage? But some of us spend our only prayer time maybe here on Sunday mornings, or if a situation's happening at work, or, or there's a dire need, or an email comes in. But if the only time I went to Kristen was with needs, wants, or, or, or anger, or desire, that's also not a healthy relationship. She laughs at all of my jokes. 
That's the rare. That's why I married her, okay? And I got a lot of jokes. But you know what? I think I also make God smile every day. I really do. Sometimes it's through stupidity. And he goes, you know what, Mark? You almost got it this time. Come on, let's do it again. And then it's through humor. God loves humor. God allows us to enjoy humor. And sometimes I just talk with him. I go for walks. And sometimes I talk and sometimes I listen. But that's what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We must pray for a national revival. But if the church doesn't get fired up for God, our nation never will. I still believe, deep down inside, they are looking for the church and those who have a knowledge with Jesus Christ to have a solution. Prayer is a vital link. We need to make it a priority. George Washington even said, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favors. Amen. That's what George Washington said. We don't need just to be a, a body of believers that pray, but we also need to be a body of believers that sacrifice. Number two, my people must sacrifice. You see, sacrifice is lost in today's church. We don't like to hear about sacrifice. We don't like to hear about responsibility. We like to hear about blessings. We like to hear about favor. We like to hear about how, go how much God loves us. And all of that is true. But in any relationship also, there's accountability. We as a church pray each Sunday morning at 1010 in one of the rooms over there. We normally have six, seven people each Sunday. We'd like to invite you to come. You don't have to pray. You can just join us in prayer. But you know what that requires? A sacrifice of coming a little earlier to church. We also meet on Tuesday nights, and we're praying for our, our neighborhoods. We're praying for our leaders. We're praying salvation over our streets. But you know what it requires? Salve, some sacrifice for you to come and join us. Unfortunately, today in most churches, people are more concerned with careers and lifestyles and comforts. But Romans 12.1 even tells us, I therefore urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God, and for this reasonable way you to worship. God calls sacrifice reasonable. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I don't normally put those two words together. Reasonable sacrifice. But many times, don't we offer excuses for when we don't spend time in God's word each day? Or we don't pray. And we know we're not loving others the way we should. We know that we have a judgmental spirit, and that's not the teachings of Christ. We know that there's prejudice deep down in our spirits. And yet the cross removed all of those things from us. But we offer excuses to God when we know we're not walking in His ways. We're not spending time in His Word. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You come to Him as living stones, 
a spiritual house that is being built into a holy priesthood. So offer sacrifices that God accepts through Christ Jesus. You know what spiritual sacrifices are? They're your time. They're your talent. They're your treasure. For some of you, time was your highest priority on that list. We have become a society of overbooked individuals. Technology was supposed to make our lives easier. <laughs> but in a way, it's allowed us to overbook our days. My question to you as a church, is it easier to ignore the problems of our society or to do something about it? We not, not only be a people of prayer, sacrifice, but we also must be a people of righteousness. Point number three is that my people must be righteous. See, if you look at righteousness, it talks about being humble, prayerful, seeking God, repentant of sin. Each day when I go out for my walk, the first thing that I do is I ask God to forgive me of any sin. Anything that's in me that would block my prayers from just coming into his presence. You see, God knows you more and probably better than you know yourself. Amen. He knows what you've been trying to hide and suppress. You know, if you tell a lie enough times, sometimes it becomes true to you. Yep. And then, believe it or not, sometimes we start believing it. But God knows deep down inside those things that we've hidden and covered up. The frustrations, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the resentment, the hurt. But when you come into his presence and you say, God, you know who I am. You know everything that I've gone through. You know every word that has been spoken against me. You were also there for every word that I spoke in hatred and bitterness. You were there in my darkest hours. And I come before you and I ask your forgiveness. Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? And would you lead me in my prayers? Would you give me a heart for others? Would you allow my eyes to see things the way you see them? Would you allow me to see people the way that you see them and not the way that I see them through my jaded glasses of hurt and bitterness? Would you help me to love the unlovely? Would you help me to forgive those who have not forgiven me? When you come to God and you offer and you humble yourself in that way, your prayer life changes because now it's not about, God, I need this, and God, you need to do this, and you need to remove this, and you need to, to give me more, and I need this, and you need to change that person. All of a sudden, we start praying for bigger things. God, would you give this country a heart to know you? Would you turn us back to you without a terroristic attack to cause it? Would you pray for our soldiers that are serving, protecting our land in faraway countries? Would you pray for missionaries who are serving in hostile areas that could be arrested at any moment and separated from their family for just mentioning Jesus? To be righteous is to live God's way. 
to have a fervent love for God, to have a concern for others. A concern for others. That term just was ringing through my mind. If we as a church don't have concern for others, then we're truly not a church. Priorities get so mixed up. Our number one priority should be to reach out, to love, to share the gospel, and to disciple those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. For us to get out of our comfort zone and to go into their zone and be Christ, not wait for them to come to us, not wait for them to ask us some great question while we're standing in line so that we can give them some great theological answer. You know, people don't want to hear your theological answers. They want to know that you love them and you'll receive them and you'll accept them the way they are. They know they're broken. They're looking for someone who will accept them and help them get unbroken. Thank you. Righteousness. Proverbs 21, 21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Now, I don't know about you, but those are three really good things that I would like to encounter every day. So if I put it in the reverse, if I want to have life and prosperity and honor, then I need to pursue righteousness. This isn't rocket science. This is a great formula. And righteousness is about us humbling ourselves and realizing that we're not all that, but God in us makes us a powerful force. You have a calling in your life. You have a plan and a purpose. God said in his word that when he formed you in the womb, he knew you. He knew your days. But he also gave us the ability to do free will, to make our own choices. See, God could have forced us to love him. We would have been robotic in nature. God would have said, bow, boom, we would have all bowed. God would have said, raise your hands, everybody would raise their hands. But that's not love. See, controlling individuals is not love. Dictatorships control people. They tell them what they can and can't do, freedoms that they can and cannot have. They tell them their decisions that they will make for them. But true love is when you release something and it comes back to you. True love is about releasing something and it comes back to you. It is the greatest priority in our life as born-again Christians. Matthew 6.33 tells us, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Unfortunately, I think we've reversed that. We like all the things being added unto us. But seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness, just seems a little too difficult, time-consuming. Expensive, inconvenient. When God's people view righteousness as secondary, we cease to be an influence in our nation. We cannot just go through the motions of being a church without the power, the ability to change lives, the love and concern. 
Let's look at this verse again and see what God does when his people do pursue righteousness. The promises are saying that he will hear our prayers. He will forgive our sins. And he'll heal our land. Doesn't that sound like a solution that our nation is in need of right now? Why is America mired in filth and in a downhill trend? Now, this could be a trick question, but I could say, how many of y'all believe it's the government's fault? And I guarantee you that there'd be a few hands that have been, would have been raised on that. But you know what? It's not the government's fault. The government's role is to legislate and to move from the outside so that there's order and decency. It's the church's role to bring Christ in and to change from the inside out. Some of y'all need to grasp that. Government cannot change me from the inside out. The government can tell me what I can and cannot do. Only Christ can change my character. Only the Holy Spirit comes into my life when my sins were as the gutter. You look at the worst pool of, of filth that you could see on a street, and the Holy Spirit comes into that and says, I will make my home here, and I will show this person how much we love them and how much we will accept them, and brings me from the gutter out and says, you know what? You're a child of the Most High God. You have a plan and a purpose for your life. Every word that's ever been said to you that says you're nothing, you're worthless, you are a mistake, is erased because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. You see, God sent the most valuable thing that heaven had for you and for me. And none of you are a grandchild of God. You're first generation. Amen. Can one church make a difference? Can one individual make a difference? Yes. You see, you think of a forest fire that gets started. It got started with either one careless match, one careless campfire, one strike of a lightning. But tens of thousands of acres can be affected by one action. My challenge to you this week is on Tuesday, we will not be meeting here but I want to challenge you to walk your neighborhood. Arlington, Grand Prairie, Fort Worth, Euless, Mansfield, wherever you live, to just go and walk, to pray, to notice your neighborhood. You might say, Pastor Mark, I, I, can't, I can't physically walk, it's too painful. Drive. Just go for a nice, remember the old term, Sunday drive? Maybe they were praying. I don't know. Maybe that's why we got away with them. But maybe we should just go for and say, you know what? I'm going to drive and I'm going to pray over my, my neighborhood. Then I want you to do something very bold. I want you to go and I want you to Facebook so that all of your so-called friends that like every funny, stupid thing that you do will see that you actually went and prayed. You prayed? You prayed for your neighborhood? Why? I think it's going to reveal to you who your real friends are online. Because I guarantee you, you will get some comments. Remember my second point about sacrifice? Remember about the church becoming complacent in society as opposed to being distinct? Just to share 
We're going to walk for our, our neighborhood tonight and pray. We're going for a drive. We're going to pray over our area. Oh, Pastor Mark, I'm so busy on Tuesday. Make it a priority. You'll make anything that's important a priority. Pray for your land. Stir in your heart. Say, I'm not a good prayer. Good. Just invite God in to, to, to speak through you as you're, you're driving around or walking. Also, if you can, go to the Lake House page, Lake House Church Facebook page. Let us know. Mansfield's covered. Grand Prairie's covered. Arlington, got it. Fort Worth, yes. Maybe other believers will see what we're doing and follow. That's my challenge to you this week. On Tuesday evening. Pray. Go to UTA campus. Walk the sidewalks. Pray. Go to the downtown courthouses. Walk. Pray. The Declaration of Independence gave us the freedom to be able to go and pray. Our choice and our will gives us the ability to do it. I'd like to close And if you said, Mark, <laughs> I don't know how to pray. I don't have that relationship with God. It's very easy. Accepting Jesus Christ takes just a very simple decision to not only receive him into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. You see... I believe that all of the prophecies in Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation are being fulfilled before our eyes. Maybe we're not recognizing it. Maybe we don't want to recognize it. But Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back And the Bible says that in the blink of an eye, we're going to see the heavens open up. We're going to see Jesus Christ coming. There's going to be a shout and a blast, and then we're gone. See, that's not being preached a lot in churches today. That's just not a topic that's even being discovered, because I look at what other churches are preaching about, and the second returning of Christ is not even on the top 100 list. But if you read Revelation... This is what's happening. If you look at today's newspaper, if you look at Israel, if you look at what's happening in the Middle East, we are in the last days. And I want to give you an opportunity that you would not have to spend eternity separated from God in a very horrific place, but that you would cry out to God today. And all it takes is a very simple prayer, a change of heart. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, in just less than 60 seconds, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're all going to say it out loud, and we're not going to make you stand up, and we're not going to, to, to make you feel uncomfortable, but I'll tell you what, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, tell other people. Today, 
I made that change. Today I made that choice. Today I asked Christ into my heart. I asked him to forgive all of the wickedness in my life. I asked him to come in and cleanse me and give me a new start, a reset. And I'm excited about my new relationship and I want to spend time with him. Go home, read the book of Romans, read the book of John. Those are great books to start with. Would you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that, or if you just said, you know, I just rededicated my life, angels are rejoicing. But you also became a target spiritually. That's why you want to get with other believers and say, pray with me. As Kristen said, we've encountered more spiritual attacks this week than we have because we're taking new land. We're taking ground. We're seeing changes. But I need you. I need you to pray. I need you to, to join with us. To be the church. And I thank you. Thank you for hearing a very difficult message today. But I loved you enough to share with what we as a nation are facing. To share with you some of the emails that the church, the clergy, the leadership is sending out because things are about to change. And if we don't pray, they're about to get worse. I love you all so dearly and thank you for being here today. If you'd stand, I'd like to speak a blessing over you. We also get the joy of tearing down the studio today. See how I worded that? It's a joy. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go now in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today.